I want you to open your Bibles with me today to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12 and verse 13 today. And if you do not have your notes with you that we have handed out every week, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will come by and, and hand that to you if you didn't bring it or if you have not been here. Maybe this is your first Sunday. And if you have missed a Sunday, you can go to our website at trbc.org slash good news and you can download all, download all the notes up to this point so you can get caught up. What we are talking about is how in the midst of moments of life that are painful, in the moments of life when it seems that there is nothing that we have to live for, live for or to look forward to or to work towards, that God promises in the midst of our suffering, He will be there. And we've walked through over these last couple of weeks how that, that we can, even in the midst of problems and pain and sorrow and suffering, God always shows up and does an amazing work. That God uses our suffering, listen to this, it doesn't make sense, for good, that God will use what you're going through to do something amazing. You saw that story of Gordon Burke. I visited with him a number of times in the hospital and at home. And man, you talk about a guy who understands the power of God. I was in the hospital when the doctors called his family in because there was no hope and because he, according to the doctors, would not survive. And I was in the intensive care with him and I'm sitting here watching this video today knowing, man, he's doing great. Listen, our God is a good God. Do you believe that today? And no matter what it is that you're facing today, no matter what suffering you're experiencing, what pain you're going through, listen, the same God that answered the prayers of a little girl for her grandfather is the same God today that will answer your prayer. So today we're talking about how to find good news in the midst of hard times. Now listen, we've been walking through some of the things that we can learn through our suffering. And today... We're going to begin to recognize, begin to see some, some very real elements with regards to our suffering and what our response is going to be uh, in relationship to that. Now, we're going to start today in 1 Peter chapter 3, and in a moment we're going to move into the notes, but I just want to remind you of a verse that we talked about last week, we ended with it last week, verse 12, where it just simply gave us the idea that the eyes of God are on you. That the eyes of God are watching those who do right. The eyes of God are with the righteous. Now, I want to say that as we begin today because it's critical. It's, it's vital that we understand that all the promises of God are available to all the people of God. But recognize this. The only thing that can keep the promises of God from being fulfilled in your life, listen to me, is you. Because when we do not honor God, when we do not walk with God, when we reject the teachings of God's Word, when we walk away from living for God, here's what, here's what it is. It's not that God's going to say, well, I'm going to turn my back on them. It's not like God is going to remove His hand of favor from you, but it does mean that you will not experience all the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of God's promise, the fullness of God's peace, unless you are in lockstep with who God is and growing in your own personal faith. Now today we're going to talk about this idea of what we can find good news in the middle of difficult moments and hard times. Now the one thing we've got to recognize right up front before we move into some, uh, some of the, the great promises that we find in God's Word in 1 Peter is this, and reality for in your notes here, is this, worry is always a very real part of suffering. And I know my handwriting is absolutely horrific. 
which is why you'll see the notes on the right and the left-hand side screens that uh, are a little bit better. But worry is a very real part of suffering. When we get in the midst of difficult times, when we're suffering through moments where our heart is broken, when we're walking through those, those tragic times, maybe in the hospital or maybe with a family member or a friend where there's relationships that are, that, that are, that are broken or that are, that, are, that are trying, situations that it seems so difficult. Listen, the natural response or reality in our lives is just this, we worry. It's kind of those things that keeps us up at night. The kind of thing that in the middle of the night that you wake up at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning and the first thing that hits your mind is that situation and that problem. And then you find yourself, man, I just can't get back to sleep. Anybody ever had that happen? You wake up in the middle of the night, man, a problem just like, it, happen, it happens to me all the time. I mean, you sit there, it's a very real part of life. Worry is real. And we have to recognize that and understand that in the midst of our suffering, worry is something that we always will struggle with. Why? Because in moments of suffering, we will experience moments of fear. When we get to that place where suffering is very real and it becomes like a, a part of our day, it becomes a part of our situation when, when our hearts are broken, when we're, when we're going through this trying moments, listen, worry happens and fear happens. Man, we're afraid of what tomorrow might bring. We're afraid of the realities of, of the, the situation that we're in. We're, we're afraid of what might the consequence be. We're afraid of what someone might say. We're afraid of someone, what someone might do to us. We're afraid of, of kind of how we're going to make it through and how we're going to deal with it, how we're going to process all of the situation. Fear becomes a part of our journey. Now, when we recognize the reality of our suffering is that, that worry is a very real part of that and fear is a part of that, here's the one thing we've got to understand. It's in your notes. You can just circle it if you'd like. Stand strong anyway. When the worry hits, when the fear hits, stand strong. We said it a moment ago, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Listen, that is not a cliche that some preacher came up with. That's not like some songwriter sitting down and saying, hey, man, that sounds good. Let's put that to music. That is the promise of God. He is greater than anything that you will face. Nothing is too difficult for him. With God, all things are possible. And let me just tell you something. With that kind of God on our side, yes, worry is a reality. Yes, fear is a reality. But we can stand strong because God is on our side. And when God is on your side, let me give you some good news. You are in the right corner. You are in the right place when God is walking with you through those moments of life. So, let's talk about reality. Yeah, worry is a real part of suffering. That suffering, it always kind of leads to moments of fear. We've got to stand strong. So, what's our response? Let's kind of walk through here that what God's Word tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 and 1 Peter chapter 4. Well, the first response is this, just simply this. God's protection is real. God's protection is real. It's not a cliche. It's not something that somebody came up with. It's not something to try to make yourself feel better. It's not a meme that you find on Twitter or Facebook. It's not a, you know, an inspirational saying that you can find at the Christian bookstore that you can hang on the wall. It is a promise of Almighty God, the Creator God, the God who spoke everything into existence. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now listen, I've got, uh, as you know, man, I've got a wife that I love. I've got four kids that I love. 
I've got a daughter-in-law that I love. I, I mean, I, the, the, they know this. I'm always going to be there. For, but one thing they can know for sure is this. That even now, I say, I'm always there. I will do anything I can for them. I'm always by their side. The one thing that they know and need to know is just simply this. As much as that's true, having God on your side is so much better. Having God promise that he will never leave you is so much better. And that's the response that we have to have. God's protection is very real. It's not kind of, it's not like maybe, it's not a hope for, it's not a, hey, if we're lucky, it's not a man if things go really well or maybe, no, no, no. It is real. God's protection is real. So let's be encouraged. Let's be encouraged today. Let's find some good news. And the first encouragement of how God protects us is just simply this. Be encouraged. God will protect your reputation. God protects our reputation. Got to spell it right. That'd be far better. Can anybody read that? Let me just see how bad. That is really, it's like God protects our reputation. So look at the side screens here. You'll get that. God protects our reputation. No matter how tough it is, you can always stand on, believe in the promises of God. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Underline that. Because you, not scratch it out. Because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. So here's the idea. God protects us. That's a promise. You can count on it. God will always protect us. And one way that God protects us in the midst of our suffering when we are living for God is God protects our reputation. Now, what does that require out of us? It's simple. Holy living. The pursuit of holiness. A desire to live for God and to live as God asks us, requires us, commands us to live. Why? Because holy living results in godly reward. You go back to the scripture we just read, and it just simply says this. Man, it's clear. Again, don't take this preacher's word for it. Take God's word for it. God says in his word, God will reward those who live right I don't know about you, but man, I want that to be the story of my life. Man, I want to make sure that what I do every single day, I am trying to live closer to God today than I did yesterday. Why? Because I know that God will reward me for doing so. Now, this is not a reward like, you know, some of the prosperity gospel preachers would preach. It's not like, hey, if you live for God today, man, good news, tomorrow God's going to give you $10,000. It's not like, hey, if you live for God today, man, he's going to give you a brand new car. That is bogus. That is baloney. Don't believe that for a minute. God's going to give you far better than any car or money. God is going to reward you in ways that will blow your mind. Because here's the thing that you need to understand. Cars end up costing you money, right? Cars end up dying. Cars get flat tires. Cars run out of gas. Cars need the oil changed. Cars get old and you want a new one, right? Am I right about that? If you have money in your pocket, what, is the, what always happens to the money in your pocket? It leaves your pocket. 
But the rewards that God gives to you and the promises that God gives to you, don't, don't you miss this, it's so much better. So those prosperity gospel preachers, you know what they're doing? They're honestly, they're giving people ideas. They're giving people, you know, promises that way undercut what God really wants to do. Because God's going to do so much more. Holy living results in godly reward. But know this. Holy living only comes from a life of worship. And what's a life of worship? It's not about music. It's not about like knowing all the words to the songs. It's not, it's not that. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, living out 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where it says that whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When you treat that person that you just happen to have a conversation with not in a right way, that you recognize, man, I blew that, man, and you go back, I'm sorry. When you're having a difficult conflict at work and, and maybe a, a coworker is causing problems, you recognize a lifestyle of worship requires you to act differently even when they don't deserve it, that you honor God in the way you treat them. Holy living only comes from living a life of worship. So what? We find strength in this key word, forgiveness. You see, holy living... A life of worship requires that component of forgiveness. When people treat us badly, we are required by Jesus to forgive. Now, it doesn't mean we're required by Jesus to stay in the midst of and continue to get hurt, whether physically, emotionally, whatever it might be. But it does mean that we need to forgive. Why? Because when you do not forgive, what you are ending up doing is you're not hurting them, you're hurting you. You are stunting your spiritual growth when you're not willing to forgive. A lifestyle of worship requires forgiveness. Jesus said, how many times when asked the question, how many times should I forgive? Seven times Jesus was asked? No, 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 no. Seventy times seven. Now, of course, that was just a, you know, hyperbole there. He wasn't saying 490 times, right? He was saying forgive, 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 forgive. Why? Because Jesus understood that forgiveness is something that changes you regardless of what it might do for them, for the other person. And that's what holy living looks like. That's where we can find how God protects our reputation even in the midst of suffering. Look what it says, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, in, all uh, wickedness, all unrighteousness. Here's the idea, is that Jesus gives us the example of forgiveness. And understand this, it's a very important idea. The, the circle, the word all in 1 John chapter 1. Jesus tells us clearly, God will forgive all. And here's what Jesus tells us. So should you. So should you. So should I. We forgive, so be encouraged. The next way God protects us. God protects our hearts. He protects our reputations first, but He also protects our hearts. Now, I'm going to put just underneath this here. From ourselves... And from others. God will protect your heart. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. 
He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. So he went and he preached to the spirits in prison. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated at the place of honor next to God and all the angels and all the authorities and powers accept his authority. Here's what that tells us. Because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, here's what Jesus did. He has wrapped his arms, his firm, strong, protective arms around your heart and nothing can destroy it. When we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we celebrated with six today who have done that. Man, we are given the promise of God that no matter what we might face, no matter how difficult today might seem, no matter how much of a struggle we might be going through, Jesus is literally, as he's standing there, and he's got his hand wrapped around us, and he is protecting you every step of the way, that no matter how you are treated, and no matter what someone might do to you, no matter how difficult that that navigation of your journey might be, Jesus is there, and he said, listen, I got you. I've got you. There's nothing to worry about. Man, I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement. I don't know about you, but man, that that just brings joy to my heart to know that no matter what tomorrow might hold, and, and by the way, here's one thing I know for all of us in this room, none of us know what tomorrow holds. Good or bad, no one knows what tomorrow holds. But what that I do know is this, is no matter what might happen tomorrow, I know this, Jesus is by your side. He is there with his arm outstretched, wrapped around you, protecting you. Man, what a great promise. Even in the worry and the fear that we all face, Jesus, I'm by your side. I've got you. It's all good. Now, we've got to recognize and understand in the midst of all of this that there's some applications that we need to put into our lives. The applications of what does it look like. So here, understand this. God promises to protect you no matter how bad things are. No matter how bad things are, I'm going to fix that W there so it actually looks somewhat like a W. No matter how bad things are, God promises to protect you. Now listen, that's good news because I know this. There are people in this room that are going through some horrific circumstances. We saw in that story a little while ago with Gordon what he went through, having fallen, a traumatic brain injury that left him confined to a wheelchair, and then later to go through the infections, the bacterial situations that he went through where he literally almost lost his life. This has been a long journey. It wasn't like a moment of pain, a moment of suffering, a moment of sorrow, and then, you know, then incrementally got better and now everything's great. No, no, he still even today struggles through what happened so many years ago. But no matter how bad it is, the one thing I know is Gordon recognizes, man, God is right here. God's with me. I could walk around this room today, and I know there's story after story, situation after situation, person after person in this room where where we've had the opportunity of talking, and and you've shared with me those stories in your own lives where there have been some horrific situations and circumstances, pain that goes beyond anything that someone even could imagine that you could go through. 
And yet I know there are many here in this room, and I could list you. I'm not going to. No, don't worry. But I could, I could share with everybody in this room how, how, listen, that person, oh, let me tell you what they've gone through. But listen, you know what they know? They know this. God is with them. And no matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult, no matter what the doctors say, man, they're trusting God every step of the way. I hope that's your story. I hope that's the, the, the declaration of your life. Why? Because his protection cannot be removed. That's the great thing about the promises of God. The great thing about the, the trust that we have in God is when the world tries to destroy, when the world tries to put you down, when the world tries to make you think like you're not going to make it, when the world laughs and mocks us for what we believe, here's the one thing that they can never do. They can never remove the hand of God from your life. The Bible tells me and tells you, I hope you know this, that nothing can take us from the hand of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us nothing can separate us from the love of God. The Bible tells us that God sticks closer than a brother. Over and over again, we see in God's Word, time and place, chapter and book and verse. Here's what God says, I am there and nobody is going to pull me away from you. Nobody is going to take me away from your side. So today, as you're walking through your journey, as you're navigating that, that trial that you're going through, listen, it doesn't matter what someone might try to do to you. God's not going anywhere. Like God is committed. He is in for the long haul. He's with you every step. Does that encourage you today? that is protection in our lives, it cannot be removed. So if that's true, then here's one thing we can understand. You can run to him for help at any time. We've all been in situations before where we've had people who've come to us for help or, or for guidance or for advice. And then we've all had situations in our lives where somebody comes back again and again and again and again and again and it seems like every time you see them like they're coming up and they're asking for something right and they're you know probably let's be honest we're not asking for like you know for show of hands or for recognition of who but but probably there's somebody in your life that when you see them coming you're probably trying to look for a tree you can hide behind right like, like, I know they're going to need something. They're going to need an extra couple bucks. They're going to need this. They're going to need that. I mean, you, you know that, right? That, that, that always happens. But here's what God does. God never will hide his face when he sees you coming. God will never look for a place to kind of skirt off to the side to avoid running into you. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is waiting to hear from us that he wants to hear from us. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and he rose again so that we would have the opportunity and the privilege of running directly to him. God is never going to say, oh, there comes Jonathan again. Oh man, I know, he's gonna need, he's gonna need help again. He's got a problem again. He's gonna, whew, Jesus, look, here he comes again. I mean, I'm telling you, that doesn't happen with God. And aren't you glad that it doesn't? Aren't you glad that God is never sitting back, like, just waiting for you to leave the room because you're getting on his nerves? You see, God tells us that we can run to him at any time. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, you know who that is, right? It's capital H, capital P, so just yell out to me, who is that high priest? Jesus. 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now look in verse 16. I know this is a familiar verse, but man, I want to make sure that sometimes those familiar verses, we we lose sight of the great promises that are found there, the affirmative promises from God. So it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. So this is God's word breathed out through the Holy Spirit into the hands of man. These words were written. And so those words coming from God says this, let us go to our gracious God. And look at God's response. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And don't take my word for it. God said it. When you run to God, you're going to find his mercy. When you run to God, you're going to find his grace. When you run to God, you're going to find what you need when you need it the most. When it's the worst. When the situation is like just over the top. When it seems like it can't get any worse than it is. When like, you know, you could write a book, you could write a book on your story. Man, it would make a great movie of the week. Man, it is so stinking bad. God says, yeah, that's where I will show you my mercy. That's where I'll show you my grace. Because that's where you need it most. And there's some people in this room today, I don't know who you are, but there's some of you in this room today that right now, you need it the most. Like right now, today, you're in that time. You're in that season where you need His grace and mercy more than ever before. And here's what I want you to be encouraged by. God says, okay, not a problem. Be encouraged. Be encouraged another way. Because God promises to protect us from our past. He protects us from our past. And that is so important because oftentimes in our lives, you know what we end up doing? We allow our past to keep us from experiencing our future. Look what it says in verses, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 and through 6. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and their drunkenness and wild parties, their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But look what it says in verse 5. But remember, listen, this is important, that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why... The good news was preached to those who were now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Listen here. This is important. We have to recognize our past is not the picture 
of our future. What happened yesterday is not the picture of what's going to happen tomorrow because of God. And I don't know about you, man, that's awesome. Because I know that there are things in my past that I do not want ever to happen again because of my bad choices. Like, like what is back there, I want it to stay there. Every once in a while, I'll run into like a friend of mine that I went to school with. And I just sit there saying, oh, Lord, please don't let them say anything. Anybody feel like that sometimes, right? You, you know, you're somebody that knew you back then, you know, back when, and you're like, man, I just hope that they have either forgotten or they're very discreet, you know? They're, 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 I mean, we all have a past. We all have a past that is full of ick and yuck and pain and sorrow and suffering. It's all back there. Here's the cool thing. With God, our past is not the picture of our future because God has paid it all. Jesus paid for our past. He took it upon his back, and he died on the cross to pay that price forever, once and for all. So what was in our past stays in our past. God leaves it in our past. The Bible even says it separates it as far as the east is from the west. And I don't know if you've ever done like the, the research on that. That's a long way. Unless you're driving the streets of Lynchburg where 501 North and 29 South can be the exact same road. But other than that, it's a long way. And that's what God has promised. He takes it and he puts it way back in the, the, the collection point, way down the road. And it is never a picture of our future. Why? Because we have received release from our sin. We have re received release from our sins. We have been relieved of the pressure of our sinful past. We have been removed from the punishment of the sin of our past. Now listen, there's still consequences. We know that. Sin is something where it continues to impact us. With our sinful nature, we continue to live lives where we made bad choices and we still do things that we should not do. We still make choices today that we should not make. And it does impact us, and, and it does have a an, uh, an, an, an consequence and influence on our lives. We, we know that. Sin, sin is destructive. We know that, right? But the real destruction that sin brings is death. The Scriptures tell us in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve for our sin. But... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Consequences, man, they still come. But man, we don't have to pay the penalty. The penalty's been paid. The punishment is gone. Why? Because the hope that we need is found in the gospel. The gospel is the answer. The fact that Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Listen, oh, I love this. He washed it as white as snow. You want good news in hard times? Here's the good news. Jesus has paid your sin debt in full. 
You want good news for the suffering that you're going through? Jesus has paid the price. He's paid the penalty, and you will not have to. You deserve to do it, but you will not have to because Jesus said, nope, I got it. I'll take care of it because I love them that much. Are you going to go through difficult times? Man, you can count on it. God's Word is full of the promise, and that is a promise, that you will suffer. It's, life is, is full of difficult moments. You're going to face situations, and you're going to face trials. We all do. My dad, is, if you've been around here a long time, you know my dad used to say this, you're either coming out of trouble, or you just are right in the middle of trouble, or your phone's going to ring this afternoon. And no matter who we are, no matter how faithful we are, no matter how connected to God that we are, yeah, man, we are going to go through trouble. But the hope that we need is found in the gospel. Look at verse 16 of, of chapter 3 again. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live. Why? Because you belong to Christ. And that is what the gospel does. Salvation brings us who are far from God. And it ushers us into the throne room of God. And then God says this. He doesn't judge us. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't send us to the stockade. He doesn't send us to prison. Here's what God does. My son. My daughter. Welcome to the family. That's good news for hard times. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of life's most difficult moments, you're there. God, we thank you that you've paid the ultimate price so that we can have that relationship with you. And now I pray in this moment that if there's someone watching, listening, or hearing these words that doesn't know you, God, right now, this moment, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do a work on their lives right now. Convict them today, right now, in this moment, God, speak to them. Help them to see that they need to recognize that Jesus is your son, that Jesus died and that he rose again, that he paid for their sins, that he's the only way to heaven. God, I pray right now you'll do that in their lives. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed, in a moment our team is going to be gathering here at the front. Our altar is going to be open. We're going to have the opportunity, as we always do, to make decisions with what we've heard. Not with what we've heard from me, what we've heard from God's Word today. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, listen, good news, God's got your back. Because the hope that you need is found in the gospel. And the gospel just simply is this, is that God loves you. And he sent his son Christ, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And Christ died for you, but then he rose again for you. He paid for your sins. And Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we will believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, if we believe that he is God's son, that we will be saved. Anyone today, that's you. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will, promise from God, will be saved. And so right now, if you've never done that, I encourage you, in this moment, in a moment when we stand together, I encourage you to step out from where you are. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. Because what you're doing is you are allowing the Creator God, the King of the universe, to adopt you as His child. 
And I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and let one of our team members talk with you about what Christ has done. Maybe you want to come and kneel here, leave a prayer request, or come here and pray about a situation going on in your life. Maybe you want to come for rededication, as we saw some of those who got baptized today have done. Maybe you want to come and join our church or come for baptism. Whatever God is telling you today, as we stand right now, let's stand and let's sing together and step out in this moment. Do not wait. God has paid it all for you. Let's sing together right now. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves.